And hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at politics and education in Idaho. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And we are celebrating today the uh, second of the two-day-long adjournment of the 2016 Idaho legislative session. So we need to kind of settle up on on sort of a friendly wager here. Clark, (laughs) you had said that the uh, legislature would adjourn on March 24th. I'd said March 25th. So the Senate... Concurring with your uh, motion, <laughs> adjourned on the 24th. The House adjourned on the 25th, so we're both half right and both half wrong. We're, I yeah, we're, I guess we're both wrong. I will say the upper chamber uh, went with my prediction mm-hmm. and went ahead. Uh, but, yeah, the, the point is that we're done. Uh, we're finished after 75 days uh, at the State House. The Senate uh, adjourned just after 9 p.m. on Thursday. Uh, the House uh, came back on Friday uh, to take up a couple pieces of legislation, and they adjourned uh, shortly after noon on Friday, so we're done for the session. Kevin, what were some of the highlights? You did an interesting piece on IdahoEdNews.org about some of the things that made it and some of the things that didn't make it this year. Start off with some of the highlights, maybe the budget. Yeah, let, let's hit a few of the highlights. And, and again, at IdahoEdNews.org, we delve into a lot more detail about what happened and what didn't happen. Uh, the budget wrapped up this week, and it was really anticlimactic, and we covered both houses of it, uh, you and I, you were in the House and, and I was in the Senate. The seven budget bills passed overwhelmingly, only a smattering of opposition in the House, unanimous support, and it took a half hour to run the seven bills through the Senate uh, on Wednesday. So that's the centerpiece of the budget, 7.4% increase for, uh, for public education. That was kind of the target figure that lawmakers had been shooting for really from early on in the legislative session. Uh, not what Butch Otter had asked for, a little bit uh, below that, but it matches where they were a year ago. So that's the, one of the big headlines from this week. A couple other things that kind of came to a head this week. Uh, literacy uh, is a done deal now. The governor uh, signed the literacy policy bills into, into law on Wednesday. The budget passed. This is a $9.1 million budget to roll out the literacy program. It's, again... Not what the governor asked for. He wanted $10.7 million. so it comes in a little bit lower. Uh, he sounded satisfied with that, though, uh, when he did a presser on Wednesday when he signed the policy bills in- into law. So that's going to get rolling. Uh, comes to about $245 per kid when you think about the number of kids who would qualify for the extra help. And we've talked about this before, but this is the program to provide, they call it intervention, but it's support and extra instruction for students in grades kindergarten through third grade who struggle to read at grade level. And that's one of the things that I think will be interesting. The $10.7 million figure that the governor requested was specifically based on a number of students receiving all-day kindergarten, so them going with the $9.1 million, a little less I wonder if that will have an impact on districts' ability, if they so choose, to do the all-day kindergarten. But it's close uh, to what the governor um, wanted. And and I talked to a few uh, lawmakers on the Education and Budget Committees today, this afternoon, after they adjourned. They were excited uh, that they got the literacy piece and they got the funding for the literacy piece. They were excited for the second year of salary raises under the career ladder. They were excited for... Uh, restoring the cuts uh, to districts' operations budgets, uh, restoring those to 2009 spending levels before the recession. So some of the folks on the education and budget committees were saying, on the education front at least, 
pretty good session. We're pretty satisfied uh, with the progress we made and being able, able to continue uh, what they consider momentum that was mm -hmm. started last year. Um, and, and really, I mean, this is where our job gets really interesting when the session lets out, because once the policy has been established and, and written into law, the implementation becomes really interesting. And we've seen examples during this legislative session of implementation that did come into question. Leadership premiums. The salary bonuses for the teachers. Right. Yeah. And, and lots of questions, even though nothing really happened legislatively, on the SBAC, on the implementation, on the rollout of the test. So now we're going to roll into a literacy program that's very ambitious. And we're talking about 37,000 kids not reading at grade level. It's going to be a big job, I think, for us as reporters to to watch this and see how it's how it's rolling out, what's going on in the schools, what's different next year as opposed to what's going on now. Absolutely, how they treat that. Um, so those were some of the big ticket items on the education front that did pass. But Kevin, you've been tracking the legal fallout uh, from the broadband, uh, the Idaho Education Network project and, and, and the legal battles. Uh, but one of the final two bills uh, to advance today out of the House had to do with some funding for a potential uh, settlement in this broadband case. Bring us up to speed, if yeah, you Yeah, and this came out very quickly at the very end of the legislative session. So one of the many unanswered questions about the, the fiasco that is the Idaho Education Network and the fallout from the, the failed project and the uh, voided contract. This has to do with the vendors who actually performed the service on the broadband network and potential lawsuits coming from these vendors uh, filed against the state claiming that they're owed money for services rendered to the state. So on Tuesday, uh, House Speaker Scott Bedke and Senate President Pro Tem Brent Hill presented an $8 million budget to fund a potential settlement. What they want to do with the $8 million is have money in hand during the off-season, between now and January, in case they can come to a settlement with the vendors. Uh, this was really a surprise. I mean, we knew the talks were going on. I right. reported about that. But the $8 million settlement, it was very sudden. It was on the agenda for JFAC on Tuesday, but no mention on the agenda of the Idaho Education Network. It was just a mention of a transfer of funds into uh, this legislative legal fund. So fast forward ahead, the bill passed the Senate and came up on the House floor on Friday morning. It was the next to last bill that the House dealt with. So it was the next to last vote of the session. And, and it got, Kevin, it got dicey. It got it, personal and there were some hard feelings uh, involving Speaker of the House Scott Bedke and a couple of representatives, but it was unusual. Explain and, what and, happened. And this is one of those times where procedure in the legislature is significant, and it's interesting, and it says more than just the, the wonky procedural stuff. So uh, Scott Bedke is pushing for this fund. It will be under his uh, purview along right. with Brent Hill. So... As the bill came forward, at one point, he admonished um, two representatives, Heather Scott and Phyllis King, who are about as polar opposites right. politically as you can get. Both referenced uh, the $8 million as a slush fund, and, and Speaker Bedke did not appreciate the terminology and made that clear. And at one point, uh, Heather Scott, one of the more conservative members of, uh, of the House caucus, was suggesting that she felt like she might face retaliation 
if she doesn't support this fund that the speaker wants. And the speaker took this very unusual step of coming down off of the speaker's podium, relinquishing the speaker's chair to go to the floor to debate on the bill. And among other things, I mean, he walked through what they're hoping to do with the settlement fund, but he also admonished uh, Representative Scott and said it's folly to suggest that there's going to be any political retribution here. I'm trying to represent all of your interests in pursuing the settlement. So very interesting and, and at times testy debate, but the bottom line of it all is the House passed it. Heather Scott actually wound up voting for it. Right. And now it goes to the governor's desk. Most, most likely, I would assume uh, and, and expect that uh, the governor will sign this into law. So this whole settlement process is something we're going to watch. Another issue came to a head, and you were at the, uh, at the governor's office on Thursday when this was signed into law, school security. And this is going to be something we'll want to watch as it unfolds. Yeah, this is something, uh, on Thursday, the governor signed into law a school security bill. Uh, there were a number of school resource officers, or police officers, law enforcement, on hand uh, to witness this signing. This was something that Representative Wendy Horman out of Idaho Falls had really pushed for. She'd been working with uh, some education safety consultants who had worked in the Bonneville School District uh, where she was from. But essentially what this does, this creates a brand new office of school safety and security for the state of Idaho. It's going to be housed within the Division of Building and Safety, but basically what this office is going to be able to do is essentially perform school safety audits in mm -hmm. buildings all across the state. And they're not in, looking for building safety. They're looking for security risks. For security for breaches, safety. Yeah. For threats that uh, a, a person with bad intent could exploit to jeopardize the safety of students. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they're going to be looking at. They're going to be passing along best practices and suggestions. This is kind of rooted in a series of school safety audits uh, that were completed 2013-2014. I think the report was released to the legislature. Some of these same folks behind this bill were involved with those audits, and that was the one where they found that in 74 schools, they surveyed 71 of those uh, adults without access were able to gain entry to the building uh, without being approached by uh, someone official at the district. And so that was sort and, of and, cause and, for and, concern. And a, and a quick war story here. I mean, Clark, you and I, we spend a lot of time going to schools as part of our job. I'm not going to name the school, but uh, some time ago I went on a site visit to a school for a story I was working on. I walked in the wrong door. I walked down the wrong hall. <laughs> and I was walking for probably about five minutes. And I was actually wanting to be flagged down because, you know, I'm a reporter. I'm not there with any bad intent, and I actually was hoping somebody would, would say, hey, who are you and what are you doing here? So these issues do exist, and what you will get with this uh, security plan is the schools will be inspected on like a three-year rolling, yep. rolling basis. So again, uh, on the implementation theme that we keep talking about today, this is a new agency. This is a new, new, new office that will be doing this, so it's going to be very interesting and and important for us now to watch and see how they do and what they find and what happens on the ground. Absolutely. One of their goals I do know is to create sort of a one-stop shop, but also to foster these partnerships between schools, between the state of Idaho, between the law enforcement communities. Having this new agency, this new office in the state, they're hoping that that will facilitate those partnerships. Um, so I, I do know, Kevin, that coming up on Monday, you'll have a chance to meet with the governor and kind of go through his end-of-session uh, review, his kind of critique of the legislature. Uh, uh, what have we seen in years past 
to give folks a preview of maybe what they can expect on Monday. In, in years past, and I'll be covering it, we'll have a story on Monday, uh, generally the governor has been pretty upbeat uh, coming out of the legislative session. He tends to accentuate uh, what's, what's happened uh, positively, and I, I expect we'll hear a lot of that in terms of education. Right. Um, I, I don't anticipate that even though the budgets didn't come to where he wanted them, I don't think you're going to hear a whole lot of uh, criticism. He voiced a little bit of criticism this week, um, and it was kind of in passing, and it was kind of late in the process, but I don't anticipate there's going to be any uh, any big sparks that fly, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep trying to press for some details about what happens from here. Uh, a big question that I think the, the governor has on his plate that he probably won't uh, want to answer about is the, uh, the religious text bill that passed on Monday. Uh, you were there on the House floor as uh, Representative Sage Dixon talked about the little Supreme Court in his head <laughs> saying that this is constitutional. The Attorney General begs to differ. Uh, yeah, was that a unanimous ruling? Was I, I don't know. We don't have the head count on the uh, Supreme Court and Sage Dixon's head, but uh, the governor has a pretty significant question here uh, before him about what to do with this bill. Uh, I asked him about it on Wednesday, as is his custom. He did not want to say what he's going to do with the bill. He suggested that he pretty much knows what he wants to do with the bill, that he wants to talk to a couple more folks. So we'll see. It's a, it's a it's an interesting constitutional question, and if it is signed into law, we will see if there's any legal challenge. So anyway, we, we are now out of the legislative session, and as I, as I sit here and we sit here and we think about where we go from here, there's a lot we'll still be watching there's that a comes out of the session. Yeah, a handful of important statewide policy decisions still yet to be made. One of the things that we'll probably watch the closest, Kevin, is this interim committee of legislators that's going to be looking at the school funding formula. We have an extremely complicated school funding formula. People say it may be outdated and it may be too confusing for its own good. So there is a committee coming together of several lawmakers who are yet to be named. We have an idea of who might be on there. We know Wendy Horman, Julie Van Orden, Chuck Winder might be on there. Maybe Scott Bedke. Maybe Scott Bedke, maybe the superintendent of public instruction, Sherry Ybarra, or a representative of hers. And so they're going to meet with that this summer. And I get the sense that two things to know here. Uh, expectations are very high, but this is not a simple task that they no. could no, bang no. out in uh, a weekend. Uh, this is an important it's and a, complicated it's a, it's a huge topic. Task. And, you know, and we see it whenever the legislature has to try to nip at the edges of the funding formula, how complicated it is. I mean, just getting a simple, very, relatively simple uh, student mobility bill through the legislature and trying to get some funding to schools that are picking up uh, kids during the course of the school year, that was a very difficult challenge. So when I say simple, uh, I'm almost being facetious there because there's nothing simple about this formula. There's nothing simple about solving this formula. So that's going to be a big job. Uh, science standards, that, that will come back. We'll yeah, have if some you elections remember, to watch, yeah. a lot of stuff. So we'll, we'll stay on top of it. We do want to let everybody know uh, that we've had a lot of fun with the Extra Credit Podcast, and we've been really excited uh, to, to see people that are listening to it and get feedback. So we will be continuing our podcast. We'll yeah, you be don't back. have to wait for season two in <laughs> January. So don't, don't worry. We'll be here every week. 
well, we'll be back next week. Uh, fall out from the legislative session, and we'll keep going, watching some of these interim topics that we talked about. But we would love feedback uh, from our listeners, whether you email us or, or send us a message on Twitter or Facebook. Are, are there things that are important to you guys? Are there things that we're not covering? Uh, would you like us to change up the format and maybe uh, invite some guests or maybe narrow our focus and go in-depth? on one or two topics. Uh, I'd like to know how we're doing and, and, and what your thoughts are, so don't be shy about uh, yeah. getting in touch with us. Send um, us a note on our Facebook page, uh, the Idaho Education News Facebook page, or a note on Twitter. Uh, you can go to idahoednews.org, go to the About Us page, and you'll see our uh, email addresses and phone numbers. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to kind of move this into a different phase as we get out of the state house and hopefully into some schoolhouses, and we'll continue to talk every week, and... Uh, Hope you continue to listen. I'm looking forward to that. We've had a ton of news out of the State House out of the last week, really. If you need to get caught up, don't hesitate to go to IdahoEdUsNot.org. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we will be back next Friday with a brand new edition of the Extra Credit Podcast. Thank you so much. Bye.